excited that I, when uh, Jeremy asked me to share, I said, well, I'm for definitely not going to preach with the mask on. I'll have it swallowed by the time I'm done. So I chose to. So I was glad to hear that, well, if you're speaking, you don't have to. So it's like, whoa, OK, we're in good shape. So I would like to ask this morning, how many of you remember what I spoke about a month ago? How many of you were here? Remember? Not very many. Okay. So we're going to um, continue on. I didn't get done, so we're, I decided I'm just going to continue on where we left off at. And for the sake of those who don't remember, you'll remember as soon as we get our chariot started here. And, you know, this is just wrong to preach first and not have a song service. You know that? This is just wrong. You know, there was something about music that brings in the worship of God. You know what I mean? This is just backwards. You agree with that? I like that. Okay, let me see here. How many of you remember the story about the axe head? Okay, now we remember. Now our wheels are turning. Remember? What happened? What happened to that axe head? It floated. It floated. Whoa. What else happened? Drell. It flew off. Okay. What else happened? And he admitted it flew off. Okay. Where did we go with this story? Swinging without God's power, a choice to be honest, making choices, the choice to be honest, making choices and where we are at in life and so forth. So I'm trying to find here where we left off here. And I think it's in um, uh, Second Kings Where's the first Kings I'm trying to find here where we were, where we left off. Usually I fold my pages over. Yes. Okay, there's the wrinkles. Okay, so for, um, we're going to dive in here and turn to 2 Kings 6, the first seven verses. And there's just a short story here. I'm just going to read these verses again for the sake of to bring back. You all know this story well, but it's a unique little story. It's only seven verses long. And uh, I just think it's a beautiful message here that God wants to speak to us this morning about. And so uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about people who made choices, people who lost their way, people who kept the way, people who kept on the path. We're going to talk about both sides of the fence. We're going to talk about both groups of people this morning and their lives and how it impacted down through eternity and even into eternity the, 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 the choices these people made because God's word says it will last forever. So it's going to be into eternity that um, these lives were affected and how it's going to affect our lives by us looking at these stories and what we can learn and gain from them. So let's turn to Second Kings 6, chapter Second Kings chapter 6, the first seven verses. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elijah, Elisha, behold now, the place where we dwell is too straight for us. It's too small for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and make hence every man a beam. And let us make us a place there, that we may dwell there. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servant. And he answered, and he answered I will go. So we went with him, and they came to Jordan. They cut down wood. And as one was falling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it is borrowed. And the man of God said, Where it fell? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. And so, so a month ago, I think it was about a month ago, maybe it was five, six weeks ago, but it was at least a month ago, we talked about being honest with who we are and where we are. And being honest, if we lost our way, and we can find our way back home. And, you know, this man here, he was honest. He could have, he could have turned the other way, so nobody saw that he he lost his axe head. He could have turned, and he could have he could have um, he could have hid the fact that his axe and said nothing. You know how many times do we as people 
live our lives and we have lost our way and we have this coating on the outside, so to speak, a chocolate coating on our... Let's take this young man who says, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. I don't think he stood there chopping for the next 15 minutes and trying to chop, hack down this tree. I think immediately when the, when the axe head came off the, off the handle, he said, Alas, Master... Because it says he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it is borrowed. And, um, you know, uh, I'm just going to read what, um, what I got wrote down here. It said, keep going through, you know, we keep going through the motions. If God, if God wants us to work, if God wants, if we want God to work in our heart, we have to be honest. If you're not honest, there is no repentance available for you. And then we talked about, um, we talked about, um, um, Jesus Iscariot. You know, we talked about how Jesus gave the command, you know, in, in, in Matthew there. And he said they, he, they called them all. And then, by the time we, and then by the time we hit John chapter, John chapter 12, and you read in those, in, in those first six verses, somewhere in, the, in, in there, he lost his way. But he never admitted he lost his way until he came to the end of the trail and he declared defeat. And uh, by taking his own life. And what a sad, sad ending. Wouldn't it have been bit just better if he would have just admitted and been honest that he lost his way. So here we are. Here we are um, this morning. And so for the next few minutes, we're just, gonna, we're just going to, uh, to uh, talk about these different individuals. Let's go to Daniel. Let's look at Daniel chapter 1. And I'm just going to basically um, rehearse this story to you and tell it in story form. We're not going to spend a lot of time reading the story of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, here Daniel finds himself. He, um, it says that um, Nebuchadnezzar, he overpowered, he took over uh, the king of Babylon, he overtook Jerusalem, he, it says that he besieged it, and now he ended up with these people on his hands, these young men, and he told, he told uh, one of his, uh, the master eunuch, he said, hey, he said, um, certain of the children of Israel, the king's seed of the princes, he said, children in whom, verse 4, he, so the king is giving this man, his top dog here, uh, a command, he said, children in whom no blemish and wool favor, skilled in all wisdom, cunning and knowledge, and understanding science and such as had ability to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. So here we find, it says children. So these people, these four men, were just young boys. And what I want to show you this morning is some young men who chose not to lose their way. So I'm encouraging you, young and old alike, that we have to make a choice that you do not, we do not lose our way. And so, so uh, verse 5 says, The king appointed them the daily provision of the king's meat, of the wine which he drank. So he had, they had all the king's dainties. They, had, they ate at the king's table. They drank the king's wine and all these types of things. And so Daniel... And uh, verse 8, he said, But Daniel, purposed in the heart, he would not defile himself with a portion, with a ration, ration of, of the king's meat, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuch that he may not defile himself. So now, you know, these guys were, were captives. They were just these people that, kept, that, took, that took them out of their home, away from home. And, um, you know... They didn't know. They didn't know the language. They, they the their surroundings were all different. Just to try to put yourself in their place, and now we're trying to meet up with these uppity up people, and try to explain. You know what? We are not. I'm not going to participate in the king's meet. Now you try to imagine how that would feel to you as a young boy. You young boys that are here. I don't know how old they were, but they were they were young. It says children. And then in three years, that at the end, that the king was going to, they were supposed to come before the king. So Daniel requested that, you know what, give me some pulse, which is beans. That's what the interpretation of my Bible says. And 
So he said, you know, te- let's test this thing. Let's try it. Let's, let's use this as a, and you test us for 10 days. And if it don't work, then we'll go to plan B. You know what? It wasn't long at all until they, until they saw a diff- until they saw a difference. They saw, they saw a difference in, in these young men and how it was acting, how they were doing and so forth and so on. And let's see here. In verse 8. Verse 12, he's, he's asking for a test, and they said, Then let our accounts be looked upon before thee, and accounts of the children of thee to portion of the king's meat. And thou dost see us and deal with thy servants. So he consented to them this matter, to prove them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, accounts appeared fairer and fatter and flat than all the children that did eat the portion of the king's meat. And Melzer took away the portion of, the portion of their meat and the wine which they should drink, and gave them pulse. As for these children, God gave them knowledge. Get this and get it good. God gave them knowledge. He gave them skill learning. He gave them wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and, and all visions and dreams. So now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And, and the king commuted with them and among the, all them found them. And Daniel, Hineah, Mishael, and Azariah therefore stood before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king inquired, and he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even to the first year of Cyrus. Now, what do you think? What do you think? Do you think God had anything to do with this? Do you think God had anything to do with that they were ten times wiser? I think God had a sense of humor and said, you know what? I'll just pour it on. I'll just pour it on. I will show them. I will show him my glory through these young men who decided, who chose to honor me. And um, so now in chapter 2, here we have in chapter 2, verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, but he dreams a dream and he immediately forgot his dream. And so now he's going to ask for all the wise men, all these astrologers and all these people who he thought was high and mighty and had all manner of wisdom and understanding. And you know what? The Bible says that he forgot what he dreamed. Now, can you imagine if Brother Bob would come to me and say, you know what, I had a dream, but I don't know what a dream. Can you interpret it? I'd say, hello. There's no way. I need to, first of all, know what you dreamed, and so we can, we can interpret this dream for you. But that's the position where he found it. So Nebuchadnezzar, and so these, these wise men, these, these astrologers and these uh, soothsayers and sorcerers, and uh, what are all, you had a whole list of them here. And say, you know, this is not fair. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he was not going to take this sitting down. He was not going to accept this for an answer. And he said this, in verse 5, This thing has gone from me. If you will not make it known unto me the dream... Wherewith the interpretation of ye shall be cut into pieces, your house shall be made a dunghill. And so these men had their necks on the line. <coughs> and so he was, so he put it out, so they, at the end of the day, they were not able to interpretate this dream for this king, this godless, wicked king. And so here we find these wise men. Nebuchadnezzar, in all his fury, you know, the devil, he wants, to, he, wants to, he wants to take away from you. He wants to lie to you. At the end of the day, he wants to kill you. He wants to steal. The Bible talks about it. He's a thief. He's a, and, you know, that's what I see in a lot of this. You know, he just, they just constantly take away from you if we choose to make wrong choices. And here we find... Nebuchadnezzar puts out this decree. In verse 12, it says like this. In verse 11, It is a rare thing that the king requires, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods who, whose dwelling is not in with flesh. So they recognize that there's a higher power. And for this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth, and the, young, and the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel, his fellows, to be slain. Then Daniel answered and counseled wisdom to Ariarch, the captain of the king's gun, which has gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. So they were this this wheel was already in motion that these wise men were supposed to be destroyed. And Daniel he's like, why why is this decree so hasty? Why do we have to make this 
make this such a hasty decree to slaughter all these people. And by the way, if you aren't thinking straight, if you if you kill all the wise men, for sure your dream will never be answered. So why are we killing these young these these uh, these all these wise men? And Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. And so Daniel's just saying, he said, King Nebuchadnezzar, if you just give me a little bit of time, I will tell you the interpret your dream, and I will tell you the interpretation of your dream. But give me a little bit of time. And right away, so this was granted to Dan- this was granted to Daniel and his friends. And Daniel went in and desired and verse 17 says, Daniel went with into his house, and there he met with his three friends. And they sought God. And it says in verse 18, he said, they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. And then that night, that very night, God showed, God Almighty showed Daniel his dream. Daniel, God gave Daniel a dream. And then God not only gave Daniel the dream that he gave Nebuchadnezzar, but he also gave him the interpretation of the dream. And so now Daniel, he was ready. So now he's ready to go into, into the king. But first of all, Daniel, um, in verse 19, it says, The secret was revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. And then Daniel, he blessed God of heaven. And this is what Daniel says. And Daniel answered said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings, set up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that under, and to know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth in him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, that thou mightest known unto me what we desire of thee, for thou now may known unto the king's matter. So now Daniel was praising God for the very fact that he had this vision, he had this interpretation, and so now he was ready to go stand before the king and, and relay this message to the king. You know, he was the messenger. God gave the message. And then he went before the king. And now he stands before the king. And he relates all this. He relates the dream to him. And, uh, and first of all, he said in 27, it said, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The, the secret which the king hath desired... Cannot, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the musicians, and the soothsayers show unto the king? And verse 28, I, get, I, I, I like this. And get this good and get it plain. And underline it in your Bible. But there is a God, but there is a God in heaven which re, that revealeth secret and maketh known to the king of Nebuchadnezzar what shall be the matter of the days, the dreams and the visions of thy head upon upon the bed are these. And then he goes into this dream and he explains this this vision that the king had. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this king he brings Daniel into the into the high place, you may say, into the and he gives him all these things in the in um Verse 46, the king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshipped Daniel. He had his worship all mixed up. Daniel isn't the God of heaven. He is only the messenger that God gave. And it says the king is... And, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an obligation of sweet odors unto him. And the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of it is truth that your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. Seest thou that thou couldst reveal this secret? Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and a chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel requested of the king to set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of the Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now, chapter 3. I'd like to tell you something. You would think, you would think that the King Nebuchadnezzar is like, wow, I got a man in my team. Right? He would think. You would think. But chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, he had a problem. He had a big problem. I don't know what all his problems. Maybe he was schizophrenic. I don't know. But by the time we hit chapter 3, now Nebuchadnezzar, he goes on this big high horse. He's going to big, build this big old image. And now he's asking for all these people to come. As he's, when, he built the, when he finally got this image built, he's going to ask these people to come and to worship 
and bow the knee before this image that He has put up. And you know, I think Daniel and his three friends were wondering, what are we going to do? When it comes down to hoedown, showdown time, what am I going to do? Right? We all think that. And just get it straight. You know what? They had red blood running in their veins. They were people just like you and I here this morning. They had a thought process going on. They tried to rationalize all these things out. But you know, there is going to come a point in time when they are going to have to make a stand. And the sooner they decide, no, we will not bow the knee, the battle's over. The battle is over. But, you know, I can just see the end of their mind. I can see this human thought process going on. You know what? We'll bend the knee. But, you know, inside I'm going to be standing straight up. You know, we do that all the time. I do. Especially when I've got to wear a mask. But you know what? I'm going to wear one anyway. But let's just get honest. That's where I'm at. You know what? It does us no harm to bow, to, to bow our hearts. It's good for us. But you know what? Wearing a mask versus bending a knee to an idol is a huge difference. And you know, these men, when this day finally came, you know, I can just see, I can see these people watching. You know, are these guys really going to bend a knee? Are they? And, you know, I can see they, had their, they were watching. You know, I don't know how many thousands of people were out there and watching. But as they watched... You know, are these guys really going to bow the knee? And, you know, I can just see everybody, poof, down on the floor as soon as, soon as the music was singing. They all go on the floor. And here's these four guys all standing there, or three guys standing there. You know, I can see these people. You know, there is people in our country today are the same way. You know what? We just go running off to the government, to the authorities. You know, hey, did you see these three Jews? They are not bending the knee. They're not bowing down before you. You know, can you imagine? And, you know, just previous that, Nebuchadnezzar had a miracle that went on. Here's a, he had this dream that he, that he couldn't even tell him what it was about. He had it interpreted for him. And all these good things going on. Now, the very people that he was setting up, he's smashing down. You know, it's like, Nebuchadnezzar, come on. You know, can't you give a little bit of grace here? But the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, he tried to reason with them. And he was mad. He said, we're going to give you a second chance. Because he already said, if you don't bow the knee, you will go into the fiery furnace. But now we're going to give you a second chance. He says, now if you be ready, that the time you hear that all kinds of music, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the fiery furnace. But Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they had a God that was watching over them. You know what? We really don't care. We're not going to bow the knee to your idol. End of story. And you know what? The God that we, set, well, the God that we serve is going to be able to deliver us. But he, if He chooses not to, I don't really care. we don't really care either. Because we will not bow the knee to your idol. Period. It's a choice that they made. They were a type of men, young men, that the church of today needs today. Young men who are saying, alas, my axe head fell off. They were young men who found the way, who kept the way of truth. And if there's ever a day in our churches today, is we need young men who are willing to, to stand and not bow the knee to the world and to what the world has to offer, to the idols that the world has to offer. You know, what are those idols in your life? What are those idols in my life that I bow the knee before? Now, I just read, in all this drama and chaotic of this COVID-19, 18, whatever they call it by now, I read a story that was like a breath of fresh air. And all this BLM stuff going on. And uh, I thought, you know what? This is a, just a breath of fresh air. I'm just going to interject this story right here. There is, was a, this just happened not too long ago. <clears throat> I read this and I'm like, whoa, I had to read this twice to get it. There in Georgia, and I forget what town or what city this, this uh, and he was a policeman. And uh, very obviously, he had some kind of faith in God. And I'm not saying here, I'm not advocating that we should go join the police force. Because I think, also thinks 
that it violates things in Scripture to be a Christian and run into police force all at the same time. But however and whatever, I recognize that this man was on a, a journey, like we all are here. We're all on a journey. And uh, this policeman, he was a black man, and they wanted him to bow the knee to this BLM thought process going on. And he refused. He said, I am not going to bow the knee. He said, I bow the knee for one person. And I worship God, and I bow the knee to God only. And boy, I mean, it made a chaotic, the news reporters getting out there and interviewing this guy. And like, I'm like, hey, way to go. You know, there's still men out there who are not going to bow the knee to the world's idols. There are still men out there who are willing to make a stand, just like these people, like these, these three young men, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They purpose to enter their heart of hearts. You know, if there's ever a day we need to get things rooted and grounded, what are you going to do today? As of today or yesterday or whenever, you, in a church service, you can't sing in California. You're going to spread germs. The governor came out and said, you can't sing, you can't sing in worship in California. So I was going to call some friends down there. Hey, you sing it? You know. And so I'm just asking, I'm challenging you today with all these things that are going on in our world. It is rapidly changing. And so we have to make choices that honor God and that that we have to be and I'm trying to prepare you that and myself, we have to get rooted to ground. Where are we? Are we finding our way? In this, on this ship that is just up and down and all over the place. Am I? You know, by the time we got through the, by the time he threw them guys, shucked them guys in the fiery furnace, you know, he was so mad. He was so furious. He's like, I'm going to heat this furnace. I will show you. I will show you my anger. I will show you. That who is this guy that's going to deliver you out of my hand? I will heat this thing seven times as high. And God, I can just see God. I can imagine God on his throne. You know what? Just go right ahead. Just go right ahead. I have power way beyond your little thought process going on. I have the power to, you know, I don't think God was on his throne worrying about, you know, hey, there's a limit to how hot we can go here. There's a limit how far we can go here. But Nebuchadnezzar, when he lost his temper, he was in a, in a rage. The Bible scripture says that his very image was changed. He was so angry. And you know, how would it feel for you or me to be in that kind of position? You know, to me, I would have just, you know, it would have been just very easy to just sink into the thinking, you know what? It is over. It is over. But, you know, the interesting thing, the very people that shut them in died and the very people that were actually in the furnace lived. And, you know, I said this here before and I'm going to say it again. You know what I think is very interesting about this story is the th very things that men bound them with burned off. The very things that men bound them with burned off. And, you know, isn't that just God? Isn't that how that is with God? You know, the very things that he that he tries to that um, men try to bind us with all these vices that are out there and the Satan puts all these vices into people's lives and when God moves in you know all these vices go away all these things that man that Satan tries to bind us with are gone are gone <clears throat> I would like to tell you one more story another story in the scripture where we find here and this script and this story is taken out of Luke. Can you give me a cup of water, please? And this is about the prodigal son. And you all know these stories very well. I'm not telling you nothing new this morning. I'm just trying to encourage you this morning. <clears throat> and this prodigal son, this man had two sons, and the one he was one was older and one was younger, very obviously. And here we are. Here, here this man has two sons. The younger one says, you know, Father, you give me my inheritance. You give me part of this state that's mine, and I'm out of here. I'm leaving town. I'm going to go. And, you know, you, you find where this young man... Let's just read some of these verses. Thank you. 
In chapter 15, verses 11, let's just start here at 11. And this young man had two sons, and this certain man had two sons. And the young Lem said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger gathered all together his journey, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. So here we have this young man. He gathered together all that he had. He took this journey, went into a far country. You know, he probably thought, you know, I'm going into a country where nobody knows me. And I will live for everything my flesh wanted to live. You know, nobody's going to know me here. And I will just start a new page in life. And, you know, and there he is. You know what I tell young people today? I tell young people who are on the downward path. I said, as long as you have money, you will have friends. As long as you have cash in your back pocket, you will have friends. The cash, if the cash leaves, your friends are leaving too. That happens over and over again. And, uh, and here we here this young man. I could just imagine him being the same way. He had money in his pocket. He had friends. And you know they lived. They lived it up. They lived. They had a they had a high cost of living. You may say. And he, it says in fourteen. He said when he spent it all, there arose a mighty famine. There, there wrote, it's, it means a severe family. And here he began, he had nothing. He had nothing. And here he found himself at the end of the trail, so to speak. But, excuse me. But he's not done with life yet. He's not done with this, with this kind of a lifestyle yet. He's not done at the end of the barrel. And when, in verse 17, it says, when he came to himself, he said, <clears throat> he he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread to spare, enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. In verse 18, he says, I will rise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And verse 20, it says, and he arose. He arose. He said in his heart of hearts, he's a last master. My axe head fell off. A last master. I need to make a choice. You know, he made a choice for the wrong. You know, he was one of these young men who was swinging at his axe and his axe head fell off. He lost his way somewhere previous to the story. And I know this story is, um, is, was a point that Jesus is trying to make um, for multiple reasons. But as I tell you this morning, I'm just telling you there is a way back home. There is a way back home. And this young man, this prodigal son, he was, he was one who chose to leave. And now he finds himself in dire straits. And he says, I will rise, go to my father and say, I've sinned. So he's making these steps towards repentance. And he is, he's also recognizing that he had made many mistakes. He said, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy higher seven. And so he arose. He put his thought process in action. He came to his father, just like the man that actually he put his thought process in action. At last, master, and when he was yet and when he was yet a far great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And I can imagine this father of the prodigal son, like like those of us who have prodigals out there. You know, are we out there looking? Are we coming home? Because there may be a day. There may be a moving of the God. They may say someday, you know, I had much at home. I will arise. They may do the same thing for you that are here this morning. They may say, take the same action that this prodigal son had. I will rise and go to my father. You know, we're going to keep praying to that end. And I will. And they may say, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. And, I, and he arose and his father had compassion on him. You know, I often wonder, what would have happened if the father would have said, just kicked him to the curb and kicked him under the bus and said, you know what? What an idiot you made out of yourself. You had all this money. I don't know. I'm just going to put a number in there. Maybe he gave him 100000 as part of his inheritance. I don't know. I'm just putting numbers in there. And he lived this all up. And this father, he had not the, the, the heart of a father, the heart of God, the heart of Christ is to welcome you home when we have lost our way. And he could have told him, he said, you know, what an idiot that you go spend all this money. The Bible talks about he lived with, he, 
later it says he made his living with harlots and all these, this kind of a lifestyle, low, light, the high cost of low living, so to speak. And, but it says he didn't do that. It says he had compassion on him. He ran out there. He fell on his neck. He kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no able to, and not able no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, bring, it, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. <coughs> hey, folks, we got to dress this guy up. Bring, bring the fatted calf. Kill it. Let us eat. Let us be merry. You know, that all sounds great. That all sounds good. Like it's a grand welcome to me home. Welcome home, son. It's been long. But you know, the story changes. What happened to the elder son? You know, you ever hear a story about the elder son spirit, the elder son attitude? You know what? The elder son's attitude is like, get it together, boy. That's the attitude the elder son had. You know, you, you went out there and you lived this wicked lifestyle. And I alone, me, I stayed home with dad and I farmed and I was the good boy. And now we want to make this, all this big feasting going on, all this big partying going on, for this idiot that goes out and spends, and now we throw this grand reunion. Really? Really? Where is the heart of the, the elder son? You know what? Maybe he's the one who lost his accent too, but was not humble enough to admit. And you know what? I lost my way. I think the elder son at the end of the day lost his way. You know what? He was—he had this superior attitude. And I, I'm just here to tell you this morning, people who have a superior attitude, <coughs> I find it very difficult to connect with. I cannot connect with people that have this superiority attitude like we got it together. Well, I'm sorry. I don't have it together. Never did. Never will. And... Uh, if anything, I struggle with a lot of other things, inferiority and complex and those type of things, which we're trying to chip away at some of that so we can move on with what God wants us to do. But that's just who I am there. And the older son, he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered, he answered, answered saying to his father in verse 29, chapter 15 of Luke, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, and neither transgress. And he was telling all the good things that he'd done. And um, at any time, I and at any time thy commandment, yet thou never gave me a kid that I make merry with my friends. But as soon as that this thy son is come and hath devoured thy living with harlots and has killed him the fatted calf, he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. I was meet that thou should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. It was lost and is found. You know, it just came to me as I was reading this. <coughs> you know, is that, is, that, is that a little foretaste of what it's going to be like for these people who thought they were Christians at the bar? You know what? I have done this. I have done that. I, I, was, I, I served you. I did all these things. I, I had... I healed people. I prayed for people. I did all these things. You know, I don't know. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. But this father, he didn't do that. He tried to, he tried to reckon. He tried to, tried to converse with him. Tried to get him to see that your brother is home. The loss has been found. Let's rejoice. Let's lay down these differences. Let's go on with life. Let's be glad. Let's rejoice that he saw the error of his way and go home. That he came home. But he didn't do that. I wrote down a, I wrote, this, I wrote down a poem. This is actually a song. And SMBI sings this song. <clears throat> and I just penned it down this morning. <clears throat> it says like this. And it has, in this, this is a context that it's, it's, it, that this poem or this song is about. And it reads like this. <clears throat> so I can get it together here. 
She stands on the porch. She stands on the front porch, teardrops in her eyes, watching, watches as a young man says goodbye. Silently, she breathes a prayer that God would protect him while he's gone. And last of all, she speaks to him alone. Son, remember, you are always, you can always come home. And now he finds himself as this prodigal son here in Luke 15, crouching in an alley, cold, hungry, tired, after years of living in the world. <clears throat> Suddenly his thoughts go back to the day he left his father's home and what his mother said before he'd gone. Son, remember, you can always come back home. Prodigals, I beg you, do not go too far. There's a place that loves you as you are. It's the only place on earth you can be sure it won't let you down. The door is wide. The light is on. Son, remember, you can always come home. And then the course goes like this. It doesn't matter where you have gone or what you have done. You can, or if you have nothing left and you're looking for rest, you can, oh, son, you can always rest. Son, remember, you can always come home. And you know, is that the heart of your heart this morning? For the people who have lost their way. For the people who have lost the axe head. And, and you know, they have done major atrocities. But do we have the heart of the prodigal, the prodigal son father? Do we, have the, do we have the heart of Elijah? You know, show me where you left, where you, where you lost your way. You know, there's many people today that have lost, that have lost their way. <clears throat> My time's about up. I'm going to tell you a story. I was, I was in Albany at a party place a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and I was standing there waiting for him to finish up the tab to grab my parts so I could quickly go on my way. And this guy, he's, <clears throat> he's, one, he's one of them people who you feel like you kind of have to take a shower after you're done talking to him. You know, he's just always down, um, kind of like life is, ain't worth living and life is it's just down. And it's just like you feel like you have to brush off and get all the cooties off when you talk to him. I, I, I kind of like the guy. But he's just one of these guys. And I know, I know this is not making sense, but I kind of like the guy. But it's just like, really? Come on. <clears throat> so I was in there one day. And uh, he was just, oh, it's just this. And he got talking about what's going on in the news and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I am so sick and tired of hearing about COVID-19. Let's move on to 20 or something else. But this man, he said, i tell you what, I'm taking next week off, which would have been this past week. And he said, I need to decompress. He said, this world, and he, he, was, he was standing at the copier, and he turns around and looks at me, he had his back, to, turns around and looks at me, this world's just going crazy. I said, what? I said, Craig. I said, it ain't going crazy. I said, it's turned backwards. And he looks at me. He said, that's right. But, you know, he has no anchor. He has no moral anchor. And if there's ever a day we as Christian people need to rise up and give these people a message of hope. Right? Now, there's a church. I don't know how many of you heard this. There's a church up in Salem. So they're not supposed to be meeting in places. Is that how that was? They're not supposed to be meeting in public places up in Salem. But this church, I don't know all the details, but what I do remember is the punchline. So this church up in Salem, just right up the road here, 45 minutes, they decide they're going to rent a park. They're going to have their church service out. And they went and bought um, a permit. And lease this park or reserve this park. I think they spent $16,000. Is that correct? I think it was $16,000 to rent this park. That they could have it for, I think, a whole month of Sundays. Well, now the city of Salem is trying to revoke this thing. And they're saying, no way. We paid the money. 
and uh, I'm not sure what's all going to happen. But their, met, their, their punchline behind this whole thing is to get the gospel out there. Because if you can only have X amount of people in a crowd or whatever, like we can have a big crowd here. We can get the gospel message out there. We can have six-foot spacing, be with families, and yada, yada. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, Well, how God's going to move on their behalf. But, you know, the, you know, maybe this is what it takes. It's something like this where we have, we have where people need to get back to the Bible. We need God in our churches, so to speak. You know, how many times, how many churches are out there? We have all the form. How many of us sit here with all the form? If, there, if there's ever a need in our day to day, it's today. And I would just like to encourage you this morning that there's hope. And we need to keep a moral anchor, and that is Christ Himself. And I also, before I close here, I also wrote down this morning, or last night, well, it was probably early this morning. No, I think it was this morning, actually. I saw this saying, it's quite lengthy, and I wrote it down because I thought it was good, and I kind of changed it to, so the wording would flow a little better. I'm just going to read it to you. And it talks about goals. It talks about what is your goal at the end of the life, at, at the end of the journey. It says, and it reads like this. Does your life have a definite goal as you journey toward its end? So I'm just going to stop and ask you this morning. What is your goals in life? Do you have a definite goal? And what is its end? And are you traveling toward its end? And what is its end? As you journey toward its end, or do you merely hope to arrive at the right place, but now meander along, pausing at every delightful place you see? When you travel to certain when you travel to a certain destination, we must keep moving in order to arrive. Things along the way beckon us to stop and stay, but we must travel on. Our spirit, our spiritual journey is the same. If we don't seriously take care about our destination, we can travel as we wish. And we see many Christian people, so-called Christian people. Christian people who are traveling as they wish. We need not we we need not hurry. We can stop anywhere we please. But we will not thus enter heaven. If we choose to make heaven our goal, our traveling has to be purposefulness. Would be filled with purpose. Our roadmap the Bible is referred to daily. You know, are we reading our Bible every day? It's the roadmap that's going to keep. It's the anchor of the soul. It is, it is the roadmap that is going to get us there. And it's going to guide us in these, in, these, in these perilous times, so to speak. When everybody has a thought process going on, we have to go back to the Word of God. What does God's Word say about this situation? What does God have to say, say to me where I'm at in my life? <clears throat> We must keep in constant contact with Jesus, the master traveler, the perfect guide. When sin's glitter entices us, we look away. Material possessions allure us, but we must choose to lay up treasures in heaven. We move steadily forward with our focus always on the goal. And you know, many Christians today have lost the goal, have lost sight of the goal. When heaven is your goal, you will keep focused. Because someday we all go there. We, someday we die and we, if we don't keep the, our goal in focus, we're not going to get to the end where we want to go. We move, st- we, steadily, we, we move steadily forward with our focus always on our goal. I read that. Choose today. Will you travel with a goal? So I'm challenging you this morning. Are you going to travel with a goal? Are you a, you know, a pilgrim here is on his way home. A pilgrim here is on his way home. You think about that. This morning, that was on the 790 this morning, I was listening to him on the way to church, and he just made this punk comment. I listened to this pastor almost every Sunday morning, and he made this comment, a pilgrim is on his way home. And I thought about that. You know, that's right. 
The Bible says we are pilgrims and strangers here. And we are on our way home. And you know what? I want to encourage you. Let's go home. Let's go home. You know, there's no, there's no better place to be than at, at the very place that Jesus wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just bow before you. <coughs> and Lord, I don't know where each one of us are at this morning. But I just trust that they are in your care. And Lord, maybe someone here has lost their way. But I just pray, Lord, that they would just do like that young man and said, Alas, Master. And Father, it just takes you to show us where we lost our way and to bring us home to where we belong. And Father, may we keep you, keep your word as our, as our compass as we travel on this highway of life. And Lord, that we may not lose our way. That we would not buy into Satan's lies and all his slick sales pitches. And Father, that we would recognize him for who he is. That he wants to take away. He wants to steal. And at the end, he wants to kill. And Father, may we be real Christians like we heard about the other Sunday. Christians who are filled with your power. And Lord, that we would not move through this life as powerless Christians. But Lord, that the world can see a difference in why we do them. And Lord, that we would be a messenger for you today, each day as we live, as we go in and out these different business places, Lord. That we would just be a messenger carrying the message. And Lord, if we don't, you know, Lord, sometimes it's just these little things that you put on our heart to say. We don't have to, you know... Many times I don't feel like I have to preach an hour and a half in a business place. But Lord, that I can just put a nugget in for you. And Lord, just give us the courage to do that. And help us to remember who we are. And for your glory and for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.